Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Tzari Zayin. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishma'as Avram Ben Yaakov. May his Neshama have his Anali and may his memory be a blessing. Um, we're going to go from, it's the two dots after the Mishnah. First word of the line is Vavodim and then there's two, or Tachlif, and then there's two dots quoting from the Mishnah about uh, quite far down Tzari's Bob Amud Beis, 96b. So Rabbi Meir said regarding slaves, even if they've grown old and decrepit, you don't pay the value at the time you stole them. You pay, you can say to the owner, here's your slave as it is before you. And we said the reason, the reason still applies, we're going to debate whether that's actually Rabbi Meir or not, but the reason still applies because we learn that slaves are like land, and if slaves are like land, remember land never has the status of being stolen. Once it never has the status of being stolen, you can always say, here's your land. I'm just, uh, your honor was living on it, or your honor was holding on to your slave, but it's, it's always been yours, and here it is, even though it's decreased. Now, so Omar Abdimi said, in the name of Rav, that Allah is like Rabbi Meir, that slaves are like land. So, Rav, Shavik Rabbanov, Avik Rabbi Meir, is Rab likely to leave the Rabbonin and Paskin like Rabbi Meir? Can we generally follow the majority opinion? And in our Mishnah, we seemed, the Rabbonin seemed to treat lay, the slaves as metal tilim. So Moran says, no, Amri Mishum the price Ibchatanya. No, there's a price that's the other way around, which is why Rab taught it like that. And there's another price where Rabbi Meir is the one who holds that karkis metal tilim, and Rabbonin holds it. Karka, and that's what Rabbi Rav is paskining like that Rabbi Meir. So, sorry, yeah, um, well, Rav is paskining. Yeah, um, sorry, it's the Rabbanon who says like Karka, and that's how Rav's paskining. Says Rav Shavik Manisin Ba'avid Kabraisa. Is Rav going to leave a Mishnah and follow a Braisa? Again, remember Mishnahs are the most authoritative tonight. So Rabbi uh, went through them and. Uh, compiled them and edited them, so they're the most authoritative. So if a Mishnah says it's Rabbi Meir's opinion, you're not going to follow, say, no, the Braisa says it's the Rabbonin. There's no Rav Manisinami Ibchatani. No, so Rav actually switched around the Mishnahs. So understanding at the moment is that, well, there was a Braisa where it was the Rabbonin who said land is like, uh, slaves are like land. So now we're switching around our Mishnah to say that slaves are like land. So again, the Gemara says, "My time with the Rav, that the Rav, the Apich Manisim, Mikmei the Brisa, other Rav and Apich the Brisa, Mikmei Manisim." Again, you're relying on the Brisa to fix up the Mishnah, to reverse the opinions in the Mishnah. You should use the Mishnah to reverse to reverse the opinions in the Brisa. So he says, "No, Omri Rav Nami Manisim Ifchatanye." No, Rav's Mishnah was also reversed. So basically, it seems like it seems like Rav. Across his uh, texts of tonight's sources, it was always Rabbonin hold that slaves are like land, and Rabbi Meir holds slaves are like metaltalim. And that's why Rab Paskin slaves are like land. But this is the e voice now, so that's the one explanation. He says, Oh, the e voice, I'm alternatively law apich. Chada, mikmi, chada. You never switch, you're never going to reverse a Mishnah based on one Brisa. But but if you have two Brisas, then you will reverse the Mishnah. And in a way that makes sense. 
If I have a whole lot of texts, granted one's a little bit more reliable than the other, if I have, I mean, and to be honest, this is probably oral, not necessarily text, but let's just, because we always picture things in text. If I have one book, granted it was, they printed it beautifully and did it beautifully, the Mishnah, and it's got one version, but I've got three other manuscripts, a few other manuscripts that have it reversed, then I might actually change the more authoritative one for two or three, which switch it around. Um, the Tanya, so we have, and now we're going to show, we have another b'risa which switches it around. The Tanya ha-machli v'yolto. If someone exchanges a cow for a donkey and it gives birth. Now, so what's happening here? When you're doing an exchange, a barter, you actually only do a kinyan on the one animal and the other one switches automatically. So let's say I'm taking, I'm swapping my cow for your donkey. So what I do, I do a kinyan on, on your donkey and automatically you get my cow. Now we walk over to the cow and we see it's given birth. So if the cow gave birth before the kinyan on the donkey, well then all you acquired was the cow. If the cow gave birth after the kinyan on the donkey, well then you acquired a pregnant cow and it's your cow and calf. So that's the complication. It says, Similarly, if someone's selling their slave and it gives birth. Now why I can discuss a normal slave, a normal sale and not a barter with a slave is because remember, if you pay for a slave, that's a good Kenyan. Pay. Paying for animals is not a good Kenyan, you have to do an actual Kenyan. So you pay, so again, and we're sitting in the office, we're discussing the deal, we work it out, and I hand over the money for your slave, and when we go to, go to, uh, when I go to collect your slave, we see it's given birth. So who does the child belong to? If the one says, it was, I know it was under my rishus, and the other one's silent, I, he says, I'm not sure. Then, um, the simplest way of learning this is it's bori v'shema. Someone's making a certain claim and the other person's making an uncertain claim. Therefore, the one who makes a certain claim wins the case. What happens if this one says, I'm not sure when I was born, and this one says, I'm also I'm not sure when it was born. Not sure if it was born at 1155 or 1205. So, this one says, it's in my and this one says, it's in my If they each say with full confidence that it was in their rishus, the seller takes a Shvua, that it was Shebishuso Yalta that was born under his Rishus, it was born before the Kenyan. Anyone who's taking a Doraisa Shvua, this is a very important principle, anyone who's taking a Doraisa Shvua, Nishbin Mashalmim. They take the Shvua and they don't pay. That's all Rebbe Meir's opinion. Let's just tie this back. So there's a principle, there are a few Shvuas, if I remember correctly, it's just three times the Torah obligates a Shvua. And those shuas, at least in monetary matters, yeah, there are a few shuas that the Torah obligates, but in monetary matters, the types of shuas that are Doraisa, you take the shuas and you don't have to pay. Never, never you take a shuas and collect. That's those, if you see a shuas that you take the shuas and then you collect money, then you actually, then that must, that's, a, that's definitely a Drabonan shuas. So, Doraisa, so, so, so what's happened here? The seller takes a shvua that it was still his, and then he doesn't have to pay. 
which Doraisa Shvua is this? As I said, there's a very specific, I think it's a Eid Echad, and uh, if there's one witness instead of two, you can take a Shvua to dispel the Eid Echad. Um, I'm trying to think, I remember there being a third, but I can't think of it. The one here is Moide Bemitzas. If I might make a claim and you admit to part of it, Doraisa, you take a Shvua. Um, don't want to go into the whole discussion now, but here, so what's he claiming? He's claiming the cow and the blood and the calf, and the seller admits that you should get the cow, but not the calf. So therefore he's partially admitting, and therefore he has to take a shua, and he won't have to hand over the calf. It's the normal context of it is a loan. Someone comes to me and say, they say, you owe whatever, 10,000 rand, and I say, you're wrong, I only owe 1,000 rand. So I'm admitting to part of the loan, therefore I take a shua on the other half that I don't owe the other half, and then I wouldn't have to pay. But again, so that's here. Now, the Chachomim, Omer and the Chachomim say, you don't take a shua on land on karkas. This halach of taking a shua doesn't apply to land or kar- to slaves or karka. So what do we see from this b'risa? It's the Rabbonon who compare slaves to karka because it was Rabbi Meir who said that you do take a shua to keep the slaves the, the, the slave. So we see. So this is the opposite again. In our Mishnah, it's Rabbi Meir who holds land. Slaves are like land. In the one b'risa that Rab has, plus this other b'risa, it's the Rabbonon who says slaves are like land. So that's why Rab switched around and said slaves are like land. But now the Gemara asks, "Hi, halacha k'Rabbi Meir, halacha k'Rabbonami boilei." says, but this halacha, you saying it's like Rabbi Meir, it should have said it's like Rabbonin. Again, in all of Rab's text, it says Rabbonin say that slaves are like land, and Rabbi Meir says that slaves are like metaltalin. And now Rab says the halacha is like Rabbi Meir. He should have said the halacha is like Rabbonin. That's what, and I mean, that's what triggered the whole thing, is you saying the halacha is like Rabbi Meir instead of the Rabbonin, you generally follow the majority opinion. So, ha'chikomar lemai da'afkinu v'tanisu halacha k'Rabbi Meir. Um, no, this that you have them switched around the halachalak would be like Rabbi Meir. And according to me and my text, I'm just following the Rabbanon, but you are following Rabbi Meir. And just one point on what we were saying at the beginning before Shir, um, I was just thinking what's interesting about precedent in Torah law is when can I say, well, look, this is how I'm understanding the Gemara or Shulchan Aruch or the scenario. I can see that there's these responses of that differ, but that's not how I see it. When can you, let's call it, let's put it in inverted commas, but overrule precedent? And obviously I think it depends who you're arguing with. You know, is it a Rav Moshe Feinstein or is it the, the local Rav? You know, obviously that's going to carry weight. Um, but, but generally we say you can. We do have almost rules. We see that the Amorayim do not, as a rule, argue with the Tanoim. Rav's never going to say, I'm arguing with Rabbonin. He's going to try to find that Rabbonin, explain how the Rabbonin fit with him. Um, it's an interesting question, though. Is this at the Amorayim, the sages from the period of the Gomorrah, approximately 200, 200 CE to 500 CE, do they, are they not allowed to argue with the Tanoim? 
is there like some rule that they're not allowed to? Or is it just an acceptance, like saying, you know what, we see who they were, our job is not to argue with them, they're way too great, our job is to clarify them. Um, and then you have the same question with Achorim in verse Rishonim, we see, in general, you're not going to find someone after about the year, just a, it's approximate and just general guidelines, this is not detailed, after the year 1450, arguing with someone before that, that's the Rishonim to the early Achorim, unless they have either another person or a very, very strong reason to go like that. That's definitely not a rule, that's more an acceptance. I like guess another realization that, like, you know, time has moved on, we see that our job is not so much to bring out the rules uh, like they're doing, but to clarify. Again, as I said, we do find more exceptions to that, but that's definitely not a rule. Um, and interestingly enough, in, the, in contemporary society, I'd say, well, it's, it seems to be more of a Haredi thing than a religious science or modern orthodox thing. But there are certain rabbis who, like, almost what they say is the gospel. And to, you can never go back over them. Um, but that, that's just the interesting thing we see in our times. Again, I would say, well, obviously, it should be done with sensitivity. If Moshe uh, Feinstein or Bosna or Shlomo Zalman Arbach said something, you know, they, they most likely knew it much better than you. They most likely thought through it more carefully. So you have to be quite confident that you, what you're saying uh, is valid. Okay, let's start the new point, top of page. Um, so me or my Rav we just said that Rav Paskins like in his version it's Rav Bon and in our version we'd be really mad that slaves are like land. Did he really say that? For Homer Rav Daniel Barketina Barav Ketina Omar Rav Rav Daniel Barketina said in the name of Rav. Okay, in the name of Rav. If someone sees us, it's interesting, it's not used in the language still, but for many intents it's borderline stealing. He stole his friend's slave. He worked, but it uses hatoike. He grabbed it. So he grabbed his friend's his friend's slave, and he worked it. He's exempt. Now, what's he going to pay him for? If you're going to tell me, so what you're saying is he doesn't have to pay the wages. Normally, you pay someone or rental. You normally rent someone's slave. Yeah, you stole it and you worked it, and you, you don't have to. If you're going to tell me that slaves are like land, why are you exempt? It's not that you stole it and it's your slave that you worked that you subsequently returned. It's that guy's slave that you worked. It's always been his slave. Slaves like land, it's never been stolen. So therefore, it should always you should you should pay him rent for having taken his slave and worked it. So You took it at a time when it wouldn't work. sent to Please If you stay in your French property without his awareness, without his awareness, do you have to pay him rent? Or do you not have to pay him rent? Again, this is, you know, the holiday home that, the guy, that no one's staying there, so he moves in. It says, and, they say, and he replied, You don't have to. This is the general sugi of This one's benefiting and this one's not, gain, not losing out. So therefore you don't have to reimburse him. So the same thing here, he's saying the same thing with the slave. It's uh, after the slave only works till five. And now you, you took him at six to help you with a bit of stuff. So he, the owner is not losing out by you taking his slave. 
says, oh, how can you compare the case? It's all very well by the case of the house. Now, we're going to show there's a little bit of advantage to having, having someone stay in the house. Where do you say a house that is dwelt in will stay, that people will stay, what's the word? Um, livable. Neicha, that works out well. So Neicha it suits him. The demon destroys house. So Neicha it also suits him. There's an advantage to having someone stay in your house. Either it keeps away these demons that cause uh, what's it, dilapidation, or you know, someone staying in the house. Uh, he makes sure the windows are closed when it's raining. He fixes uh, the leaking taps. He he makes sure things are going good because he's staying there. So, it's a, so it suits the person to it, again, not, I don't want to say suits him, but he's not losing out and he's actually gaining a little by having someone stay in his property. But by the slave, he's just going to wear his slave down. Again, he works from uh, 8 till 5, he's exhausted when the slave gets home, and now you're going to make him work another few hours, he's not going to be able to work properly the next day, so you can't compare the slave in the house. Says, no, here it's where it would suit him. It's because we don't want the slave to become lazy. Aye, so, it's for whatever reason, they finished work uh, half day. So you don't want the slave to sit around. You don't want him to get... I know it's a common... It's, uh, it's a little bit maybe embarrassing to say this, but we see it in South Africa, a common thing is... Uh, and I, I'm saying it's common because it doesn't happen with us, but it happens with... You, know, you have an agreement with your domestic worker... But if you like left this, so, so like we originally asked that she comes in some chambers. But for the first, like it was one child or whatever, we didn't need her to come in. And now to ask her to come in on chambers, I'm not saying she's lazy, I'm just saying it's that sort of thing. You get used to things, to change it is much, much harder. He's like, well, for the last four weeks, I've only had to work till uh, 3, 3 p.m. And now all of a sudden you're asking me to work till 5. That's ridiculous. So that's, uh, um, so that's what's happening with the slaves. You've got to keep, it suits him to have his slave work so that he doesn't get used to having time off. So Bay Bar, Bay Rav Yosef, sorry, let's get the line. So Omar Hakanami Naikha Yah. says, Bay Rav Yosef, Barchama Havu Yitokif Adi De Inchi De Masik Bay The household of Rav Yosef Barchama used to see slaves of people that owed them money. I think owed them money is not relevant um, and work them. I think this that they seized the slaves who owed them money, of people who owed them money, is not to do with the discussion of the, the slaves, but as we'll see, it's, it's more to do with this discussion of rivers. I, I think, I think what, I, what I'm saying is, I don't think it's this, the, the point about seizing the slave, I don't think that's the difference whether you seize seizing someone's slave who owes you money, or you seizing someone else's slave. I don't think that's the point here. It says, Omele Rova, Berei Rova, his son said to him, My time of Marhaki, how can you do this? So Omele, Dom Rav Nachman, Abhodim Nuhum, Karise Lo Shavya. Well, Rav Nachman said that slaves aren't worth the, worth the bread of their stomach. I, the amount of work you're going to get out of your slave is not even worth what you have to pay him. But well, so what is it? So then why would you have a slave? It's convenient. You don't want to have to wash the dishes and do, uh, wash and mow the lawn and all these things. So you have a slave to do it for you. But he's really not worth it, the amount you have to pay to feed him. So therefore, when, oh, when we steal, the, when we borrow, in inverted commas, these slaves, what are we doing? Um, when we borrow, we're suiting him. 
So Omar lay aimed to Omar of Nachman Kagon to Or Doru Abde the Merakeid Bay Kubi. He says, No, that's from Nachman who, and his slave Dori used to basically spend his days dancing in the taverns. Kula Abdi may be Abdi, but most people are worth the work. If you had to go pay someone to do the work they do, it would be well worth your while so, to have a slave. So Omalay, so that's the. So Omalay, Anakarab Daniel severely says, Well, I hold like Rab Daniel. The Omar Rab Daniel, Rab Daniel, Barab Petila, Omar Rab, Hatoki, Abdashel, Haveri, Voice of Malacha Potter, you're exempt. So we're taking these slaves, we're working them, we should be exempt from paying anything for them. So Almanay, Halay, the Lolistri Abde, and we see from there why you're exempt, because He's happy that his slave doesn't become lazy. So Amalei, Hanimi, Hechad the Lamasik these words are where he is not owed money. Mar Kivay the Masik Behuzuzay, Merci Kiribis. But now that you owe them money, it looks like ribis. Omar of Yosef, Aminumi, Omarab, Nachman, Afal Pisha, Omru Hadab, Chotzechaver, Shalomitata, Enter Glalos, Loschar. Even though we have the principle, if you stay in someone's house without their awareness, and you don't have to pay them rent, if you lend someone money and then you live in their, in their house without their awareness, you do have to pay. So again, so what I was saying is that we've got two issues mixed up here. The one is, if you use someone's slave without their permission, you have to reimburse them for the time. So we said basically where it suits the master, so your slave doesn't become lazy, you, you don't have to. That's the same law as This one gains and this one doesn't lose out. And this, as we say, doesn't lose out is actually he gets a little, there is an advantage to him. So, so to him. However, this was different because it was the slave of someone he owed money to. So now it looks like ribis. It's a merci for ribis. We're going to discuss ribis in public here. Um, but it's not really ribis because it's independent. Ribis is when I lend you money. And for lending you, you pay me back extra. That's ribbit. Yeah, it's totally independent to the lending money. I'm just taking advantage. I'm going to Cape Town. I know you have a house. So I'm just going to stay there without telling anyone. Well, that's the pro- Well, that's not why. Yeah. But here it looks like ribbit. Maybe yeah. he's letting him stay in his house because he owes him money. Yeah. This is an interesting question that comes up. You know, when someone does you a favor, you ask your friend, uh, can you lend me money to do this? And then you... Why don't you return the money, obviously, and then you get him a cake or something for Shabbos to say thank you. That's a problem of Merci Caribbean. Um, so, so this is, I mean, and that's very similar to what's going on. So Amalei had to be. So he said, oh, you're right. He, he retracted the boy son Robert, the character. I'm not going to take these slaves anymore. Interesting enough, they point out from here, he doesn't say, he just says, okay, I won't do it anymore. Had to be, I retract from my start. He doesn't say, I'm going to pay back. The, the use of the slaves. Yeah. So they want to bring out because if something's only also because of merci caribis, it looks like caribis, you know, if you did it, obviously you're not allowed to, but if you did it, you don't have to pay back. Unlike actual ribis or other ribis, aspects of ribis, then we'll discuss all of those in the Baba you would have to pay the money back. Um, okay, Itmar. We mentioned, you seized your friend's boat and you did work with it. Now, as I said, this language of toikek is a little bit ambiguous because what do you do? You stole it. 
But as we're going to see, carnal now, what you're really doing, I'm borrowing it without permission. So what, what are you doing? Are you stealing it or are you borrowing it? That's what Hatoy case is, this language in between that. So what is Omarab, You can either sue him and collect what you would if you rented him the boat, or you can sue him and collect him for the damage or the depreciation of the boat. You can, you can choose what you want to collect from this guy who took your boat without permission. Shmuel says, no, you take the... the uh, you, you take the you, you, you get your boat back and you take the damage. So now how does that work? Um, the, uh, the, the, why would you ta- why would you have to give the boat back and pay for the damage? That's where it's you're considering it stolen, not rented. Okay, so that's very so so and Omar Popra Popra says Lloyd Ligi. Rabbin Shmuel aren't arguing. It's where the boat's normally rented out. Where the boat's normally rented out. Rav says, then you can kind of say, no, I was renting it, and that, and then you pay for that. And I just have, and therefore here's the rental, and therefore the guy can say, you know, I'd rather take the rental money because I'm assuming you were renting it. But where the boat is only ever used for private use, well then you can never say, well, no, what, the, 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 he can't justify. Well, weren't you, weren't you renting it from me? I want to collect the rental fee. It's only you stole it from me. Lewis says, Oh, the Ibo is same alternative. You can say, No, it's based where the boat is made to lend out. It's what was the person's intent? Did he intend to rent it? Or did he intend to steal it? Again, I don't know how you tell his intent. He's obviously going to say, the, I guess you can choose either way. But yeah, so that's the question here. That's the. That's the Mahmoud is here. Now they ask an interesting thing, but wait, if it's stolen, if you say it's a shinui, what do you do? The thief keeps the boat and he pays the value of the boat. If you say it's if you say there's no shinui, then you return the boat as it is. So what's happening here? What are we saying? You return the boat and you pay in the damage. It's a little bit in the not rivers. No, it's not at all rivers. No, according to your logic, you're going to say that renting something is rivers. No. <laughs> okay. Let's with, with, with the slave. Yeah. Hmm? Because you're using the slave. No, but you so, so, no, but that was only because you also borrowed money from him and stuff. Yeah. Using a slave without permission is nothing to do with the concern there's not at all to do with rubies. Yeah. Unless you owe the gum yeah. unless you unless he owes you money, then it looks like you're getting more than just your money back. That is, so that is nothing to do with him. But my question is, are, if you're going to tell me it's a shinu koine, then he must pay the value of the boat. If you're going to tell me it's not a shinu, then he just returns the boat as is. What are we saying here? We're we saying something in between. You return the boat, and you... Pay for damages. And you pay for damages. That's a little bit in between the two. Yeah. That's kind of... So, so I saw Art Scroll uh, bring from the... Shita Mukubet says that... And I think there are a few ways of answering this question is that no, actually where the person's intent was to steal it, that's where we have these laws of shinu koine, and you pay the full money. Here, it's, it is what we call theft, but it's borrowing without, it's really borrowing without permission, since he always planned on giving it back. So we view it as a theft to the degree that he has to pay you back, and actually you have that advantage, or you're going to sue him for, in certain circumstances you can even sue him for the rent, um, 
But if he, was ju- he just planned on using your boat without permission, that's not enough to say Shino Koina and he pays back the thing. He's, ca- he's more in regards to paying you back. He's like a borrower. So he returns the boat, and as a borrower who would let your property get damaged, he has to pay for that. And interesting, generally, if you borrow something and you use it in a normal use, you're not liable. But here he didn't have any rights. I think the answer here is he didn't have any rights of use. So he's always using it out of the normal usage. Okay, but that's something to think about. Let's carry on. Gezel might have an Isdak if you stole a coin and a crack. Omar Abun and Nizdak, Nizdak Mamish, when it said cracked, it literally broke. Nifsal, and what do we mean when we said a coin was possible? Pasolto Malkus. The king, the king um, banned this coin. So it's banned in his place, but you could use it in another country. Rav Yehuda Omar Pasalto Malchus Nami Hanin Nizdak. No, Rav Yehuda says that when you, in, when you, when the king invalidates it, that would also be considered cracked. The reason is because it's completely lost its value. Ah, Ela Hechi Dami Nifsal. So what's this Nifsal? That's possible. Sheposlo Medina Zuvu Yotzu B'Mina Acheres because it is invalid in this country, but you can use it in another country. Okay. So Nizda, if it becomes completely rejected, this coin, then that's the same as breaking the coin according to Rav Yehuda. But if it can be used in <coughs> other places, then it would be considered... Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry, Rav Yehuda. Yeah, Rav, sorry, Rav, Rav, uh, Rav was different. Rav holds it. If it becomes completely invalid... I wanted the old shekels. There's absolutely nowhere you can spend them. Yeah. And now we're going back what for years. Um, but the old old checks know where you can use them, that would be considered um, that's where we say possible. Now the Gomorrah asks on each of these questions and it actually brings out a very fundamental machmokas in damage that you can't see. Because this coin that becomes possible is not necessarily physically changing the coin. But let's see Omalera Khizdalafuna. This that you said, when it says possible, the coin becomes possible, it means the king banned it. Well, if you have fruit that became rotten or wine that became chomet, it is the same as if the king invalidated it. Because it's, no, it's useless now. And what did we teach? You pay back the Shah Saksela. In the Mishnah it says if it's possible, you can keep it. If it's if, if it's possible, you say Harash will follow for Nefo. If it's Nizdak, you say um, if it's Nizdak, you say you have to pay back. So but isn't the fruit which becomes useless the same as this? There's no There the taste and the smell of changed here, there's no change. I, there is no physical change to the coin. It's just being bad. Therefore, again, you stole an old two, again, when it was useful, you stole the old shekel. And now that you're coming to pay and it's banned, you can put it in front of him and say, here's the exact same thing that I stole and take it even though now it's worthless. Because what's when is it considered damage that is aim that's mikar? When there is a physical change. You'll see why I'm emphasizing a physical change. It says, Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi said to Rabbi Yehuda, Nizdak. 
This that you said, if the king invalidates it, that's the same as if the coin broke and you'd have to pay back the money to the to the person you stole it from. Well, if you had truma and it became tome, that's the same as when the king invalidated it. Truma that becomes tome is useless. This coin that the king invalidated is useless. But by the truma, you can say, here's the food. Here's the food I stole. He says, Pardon? Well, no, because he says the coin that is possible and that the king invalidates you have to, is like cracked, and you have to pay him. This is in Rav Yehuda now. So, so he says a coin that completes. Tamed, you, you, you can, well, that's the question. Exactly, yeah. So what is that? There you can't recognize the damage. If you study this truma, you're not going to see any difference in it. However, this coin, you pick it up, you look at it, and you know it's invalid because you see the the print on it. You see the what's the fall, the, the mold. It's the previous king's name on. So that is the uh, yeah. So that's why there's no. Uh, so so now what do we see? He said he's not. Hey, what's damage? Damage is uh, what's hezek nikar that you can't see that it's useless. That's what he's worried. It's not about going undergoing a physical change. This coin is the exact same as it always was. There's no physical change. However, you can see, you can recognize that it's useless. So do you see that Matloikis comes out that there's this very fascinating Matloikis between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. What's Hezek Sha'ino Nikar? Is it that there's a physical change? Or is it that there's? Or you can see that it's possible. Yeah, yeah, so, so we discuss this comes up in damages as well. What happens if you go and metame your friend's truma or you, you make his wine into yain nesek? So there, again, there's no physical change, but there's also no, there's no physical change and there's no way you can see in those cases. So both of these opinions would agree there that it's hezek sha'inanika. The halacha is, can you sue the guy for hezek sha'inanika over there? Okay, but here we deal with the theft. Again, like the overlap is how long. So itmar, if you lend money, your friend, something for uh, for the coin. The nifsala hamatbay and the coin becomes possible. Coin here means money. Are you emphasize I'm giving you two hundred rand, I want to be paid back in two hundred rand. That's when we say alamatbaya, that's the emphasis. Rav Omar noise no matbaya, hayoita boy is a shot. Rav says you have to pay back with money that can be used in that time. Take this money and spend it in Mation. A similar question we're going to see now. Can I pay you back in shekels? You can't use the shekels in South Africa. The government will be very upset. But you can use them in Israel. So can I say, look, I know you're going to Israel. I'm paying you back with shekels. Or do you have to pay back with what can be used then and there? So Omar Shmuel makes sense where he's likely to go to Meishan. But if he's not going to go, no. So, so you have no plans on going to Israel? I don't want to say maybe we should change countries because I don't want any Jew to not have any plans of going to Israel. You have no plans of going to that country? Or I guess you, you plan on going, but in the foreseeable future you can't see you getting there. You, the person cannot pay you in that money because that is not money to you. If you were going to Israel, Shmuel would say, well, then it is money to you, even though you can't use it here. Robert You cannot transfer money 
transfer Master Shani. Remember Master Shani, you take the, you transfer the Kedush on the money and you go spend it in Yerushalayim. So what happens if, basically, what happens if you're in a country where, let's say South Africa and Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to use shekels in South Africa, can I transfer my Maser onto rands, onto shekels? I can't spend them here, but I'm going to go spend them in Yerushalayim. So he says, You can't transfer the Kedush onto money that can't be spent. what it means? If you have these Bar Kokhba coins. Remember, Bar Kokhba was a rebellion where he started, he, 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 in a way, he reigned in Israel for two years. This is after the destruction of the base of Middash. There are lots of interesting things to discuss around here in the coins, but we really, really short of time. So if he has these Yerushalayim, all early king coins, so they can't be used, you can't put Maser onto them. Now that, those are coins that are useless everywhere. That means if you have these other ones that are useful somewhere else, you can transfer the money. Again, because the emphasis is coins that can't be used anywhere. Must be coins that can be used somewhere would be valid, even if they can't be used here. So, it's where the kings aren't particular with each other. It's where you can use the money. There's nothing wrong with you getting shekels in South Africa. But where Shmuel said it's a problem is where the kings are particular. Okay, so how will he get the how will he get the coins there? The mantile alidei had chak that um, it's where he can smuggle them in. Why the loy bechashai? Then customs officials are not going to bother searching him for these shekels or these coins. But the imish be kopti, but if they do see them, they'll be particular. So now, if you have those coins, you would put in inverted commas, smuggle them through to the other country, and you can use them. But, no one's going to go and give someone these coins, because if they spot it, they're going to get, um, they'll get confiscated. Rabbi Altman, can we continue till your shoe arrives? So, Tosh, my coming here, in Machalina Maus, Shel Khan, Vahim Bababa. We have another bracha which says you're not allowed to transfer the Maser Kedushan to money of Eretz Yisrael when you're in Babel. Vishel Babel v'hein kan, and you can't use Babylonian money when you're in Eretz Yisrael. And Shel Babel v'hein Babel machali. But if you're in Babel, you can transfer Maser money onto Babylonian coins. Ketani miyas, but the important point for us, we mentioned in that bracha, pardon? Yeah, but you can only spend it in Jerusalem. Yeah, okay, okay, so that's a good point. But let's, uh, just because of time, let's focus on the, just, just the exact Gemara. It says, What do we mention there? You can't transfer the Master Kedusha onto er- shekels when you're in Bovel. Even though you're going to go there. So this seems to be against Shmuel. Again, this master money specifically, you are going to take it up to Yerushalayim and spend it there, and nevertheless it says you can't, because it, to tran- the, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but you can only transfer master produce, Kedusha, onto money that is considered money. So it's very similar to us, when we emphasize that you have to pay back the debt in money, what's considered money. But what do we see here? Even though you're going to be taking this, these shekels up to Yerushalayim, since they can't be spent in Babel, it doesn't count as money. No, the case here is where they are particular with each other. 
Well then, the coins in Babel, what are you going to do with them? This is your question. Because you can buy the animal and take it up to Yerushalayim. I think we better leave a chat or continue on tomorrow. Yeah.